third lesson this morning comes from the book of Exodus, the 32nd chapter, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Us, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O God, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. This is the word of the Lord. A couple of summers ago, I discovered a book that sort of changed the way that I view adults, maybe even the way that I view the world. This book is called The Gospel According to Peanuts. I'm not talking about peanuts that you eat. I'm talking about the comic strip Peanuts with Charlie Brown and Snoopy and Linus and Lucy and the whole gang. Peanuts has got to be one of my all-time favorite comic strips. I not only like the comic strips, I like everything that has to do with peanuts. The old cartoon drinking glasses that McDonald's and Hardee's did back in the 70s and 80s, and maybe before, I don't know, I wasn't around. We found a bunch of them in my grandpa's barn when he passed away, and I've got them in my office. I like looking at them. They're right there where I can look up from my desk and see them, and they make me smile. I've got a holiday peanuts clock. And every hour it plays the different Christmas carols during Christmas time. It's got Charlie Brown and Snoopy on it. I've got t-shirts with the Peanuts characters on them. I love Peanuts. There's just something that captures my imagination with these characters. In the different scenarios that play out in these comic strips, you don't have to look very hard before you can see real life playing out before your very eyes in black and white or on the TV screen. This book, The Gospel According to Peanuts, mentions one thing that shifted my way of thinking about adults. We often think adults have the world figured out. We especially think this when we are children and we're looking at adults making decisions and they seem so wise and so important. And 
and it never seemed to make a bad choice. They have all sorts of freedom. They can do anything. As I was reading this book, preparing to teach it to a book study at the church that I was working at that summer, I discovered that the name for this comic strip wasn't originally going to be Peanuts. Originally, Charles Schultz, the creator of this comic strip, wanted to name it Little People. But the people that were going to help him produce it decided that that wasn't as catchy. It wouldn't sell quite as well. But as far as I'm concerned, Little People was a better title. It just captures everything there to a T. The reason that this shifted the way that I look at adults and maybe even the way that I view the world is that if I started thinking that if a comic strip about a cast of children that so accurately portrays the way adults act shows the little children as little people, as little adults, maybe that actually is true in real life. You might not be able to find a Charlie Brown very easily out in the world who keeps trusting that this time Lucy's not going to pull the football away when he goes to kick it. But it's not very hard to find somebody who gives everyone the benefit of the doubt every time. And they keep getting taken every time. But every single time they give that person another chance, those people are pretty easy to find. You might not be able to find a best friend who sleeps in a doghouse and has a pet bird named Woodstock. But you don't have to look very far before you find someone who's willing to be a loyal friend no matter what. And who always seems to look at the bright side of life. Snoopy's great. He's always dancing. He's always happy. You might have trouble finding an adult Lucy on the side of the road trying to sell lemonade at the highest possible price she can get people to pay. But you don't have to look very far before you find an adult that's pretty greedy and does everything that they can to squeeze another dollar out of someone. You see, there's often a lot that we can learn about the way that we act in life by reading Peanuts or by watching children. Have you ever watched little children play? They're really amusing. It's interesting. Just observing the way that children play can teach us so much about the way that we as adults react in many different situations. I think Charles Schultz was on to something when he created Peanuts. When you start really looking at children or when you really start looking at adults, sure, there are some differences. They're pretty easy to find. But not as many as we like to think. When we get down to the basics, children and adults really aren't that different. When children play, they often have trouble maintaining focus on a toy if a bunch of other toys are around them. They'll play with one toy for a while, maybe two minutes. If you're lucky, maybe five. And then their attention will get focused on another toy for about two more minutes. Maybe another child will come along and they'll take that toy and they'll play with it and it might make the first child mad for a couple of minutes and they may be crying, they may be screaming, but it won't be long before that child finds another toy to play with. A child's attention span when they're playing is very short. It doesn't take very much for them to abandon one thing and move on to another without ever remembering how much fun they were having with that first toy. Adults really aren't that different. How many of you can remember what you got for Christmas this past year? Maybe one or two things. How many of you can remember what you got for Christmas three or four years ago? Maybe, if it was a really good present, maybe. How many of you can remember all of those Christmas cards you got last year? All of you, right? Yeah. Yeah, we move on. Something else captures our attention. 
After about nine months, we forget what happened before then. Some of us don't even remember what we had for lunch yesterday. That's fine. Here's a little bigger one. How many of you can remember a time in your life when God helped you get through something? A time when God got you through a tough situation or when God gave you even the gift of waking up today. How many of us consciously remember all that God does for us? I think we often take God for granted, much like children often take toys for granted. And then when we feel like we really need God, we wonder if he'll be there. How long does it take us before we turn to another God in hopes of salvation? How long does it take us before we start treating God or the gods we make like the toys being manipulated in the hands of a child? The Israelites behaved in a similar manner when they were out in the wilderness after they'd been led out of Egypt by the hand of God. It hadn't been very long since God saved his people from this land of the Pharaoh, and it was still fresh in their minds, and they loved their God. Their God had saved them from all this work and all this oppression, and here they are in the desert as Moses walks up to the top of the mountain to have a conversation with God. Moses has left Aaron in charge of the people. It shouldn't have been a very difficult task for Aaron. My guess is Aaron had probably been left in charge of the people for periods of time before so that Moses could go off and talk to God. All Aaron had to do is just keep the wheels from falling off of the front. Not that tough. This conversation between Moses and God goes on just a little bit longer than the people would have liked. They got impatient. It doesn't sound all that different from children, right? That short attention span. It doesn't sound all that different than many of us. That short attention span. Before long, they come up to Aaron and they say, we're tired of waiting on Moses. We don't know if he's coming back. Why don't you make us another God? They turn their backs on the God who delivered them out of Egypt. They turn their backs on Moses, God's instrument who led them out of Egypt. And they did all of this without very much time passing at all. It happened quickly. They wanted Aaron to make them a new God. So Aaron turns the whole assembly of the people of Israel and, and says, to me, says to them, Give me the gold. Give me all of your earrings, your rings, anything you have that's gold. Give it to me. I need it. And Aaron makes a golden calf for all of the people to worship. They make sacrifices to this golden calf. They sing, they dance, they worship it. This new God is made of metal, fashioned by the hands of men and women there. The most interesting thing about this golden calf is that the gold that they used to make it was a gift from God when they left Egypt to start with. When the Israelites were leaving Egypt, God knew they would need something. So he said, here, go, take all the gold that they have, go. Let it sustain you. Here we are not long after that. God's people are turning a gift into a God. We can be pretty good at that too, right? Turning gifts into gods. These little gods can be dangerous. Not all of them are inherently evil, which is why they're so dangerous. But how we approach them or how we use them, that's what can make them so dangerous. This golden calf, the gold could have been used to help sustain the people. For years. But instead they melted it down and they worshipped it. They turned it into something very useful. What little gods do we have that we worship in our lives? Is it gold? Is it money? Are these things bad? Not necessarily. We live in a culture that we have to have money. Alright. There are plenty of people who have plenty of money. There are plenty of people who don't have nearly enough money. Money can be a gift. 
much like the gold that the Israelites had was a gift. The question is, are we going to use that money responsibly and to help spread the good news of Jesus Christ with others through it and with it? Or are we going to bow down to it and worship it as another God? What about our homes? Homes can be interesting, guys. They can be good. Most of them are. They're warm and friendly. They're inviting. But do you bow down with a sense of security that your home gives you? Do you worship at the altar of a big and fancy home that others can see and be envious of? Do you constantly want a bigger and better and nicer home to the point that it becomes your primary goal in life? What about clothes? I like clothes. Clothes are a gift from God. They're one of the basic necessities of life. We all have clothes on. Some of us have nicer clothes than others. Some of us have more clothes than others. Clothes in and of themselves, not a bad thing. Do you look forward to the, see what next season's colors are going to be? Do you look at other, what other people are wearing around you and think, I wish I had that dress or I wish I had that suit? Do you dress in nicer clothes than you can afford or your clothes perfectly fine and yet you clean out your closet at the end of a season and throw them away to get new ones? At what point does this gift from God become another God? So money, homes, clothes, they're all good things, even gifts from God that have very great potential to become little gods in our lives. These aren't the only things in our lives that can become these gods that can quickly consume us. But these are three things that almost all of us at some point in our lives have elevated to the status of the golden calf. How long does Moses have to stay on the mountain before we forget that God led us out of Egypt? How long does Moses have to stay on the mountain before we start turning our gifts into our gods? And when is the last time that you took an inventory of all the things you have? As the son of a United Methodist minister with two brothers of my own, I've always been pretty good at keeping an inventory of exactly what I have and exactly what I don't have. You see, we move a lot. And when you're in a family that moves a lot, you know exactly what you have. Because every time you have to move, you have to pack. And then you have to unpack. And then you have to pack it again. So you know everything you have, and whenever we'd get ready to move, we would pack up the house room by room. And every item that we had to put in a box had to undergo an evaluation. Is this worth taking on to my next place? You see, you never knew exactly how big the next house was going to be. You never knew how much storage you may have or you may not have. You didn't like to carry a lot of extra stuff. You may not have room in your life to cook. When we would get ready to move, we would take these inventories. And I think it's something that's good for each of us to do periodically in our lives. To take an inventory of what it is that we have and what it is that we don't have. And it doesn't take long before we'll start finding that we've accumulated all sorts of tiny little things that at some point in our lives may have been little gods, may still be. Before we know it, we've forgotten about the big God who has blessed us with all of these things so that we can bless others. I think it might be time for many of us to take another inventory of all that God's given to us. And since we're here in the midst of stewardship season, it's a perfect time to do this. It's a good time for us to look at these things and to examine what it is we've been given and to examine what it is that we could do with what it is we've been given. And as you're looking at each of these things in your life, 
Ask yourself, is this something I need? Is this something that someone else needs? Is this a gift from God? Or has this become a God? I mentioned earlier that many times adults and children really aren't all that different. And that's true in many ways. When a child loses a toy, they often find another one pretty quickly to replace it. But at the end of the day, no matter how long the mother or father is gone or is apart from the children, the child isn't as quick to search for another mother or father to love or care and support. May it be so in our lives. May it be so with our faith when we turn from God and it seems like God is away for far too long. Maybe it's because we turn to another God. Maybe God didn't walk away. Maybe our attention drifted. Whenever we start confusing our gifts with our God, may we always search for God. May we search for His love. And may we always